Are you looking to stand out from the saturated market and become the go-to expert so you can influence, impact, and inspire the world? If so, you're in the right place. You see, when I first started out my business, I struggled to help others because I just sound like thousands of other coaches on social media. So I was constantly chasing for more clients and I earned nothing for an entire year. Through my failure, I was sick of chasing and looking up to thought leaders with a huge base of audience and fans. But that was when I realized, in order to have the same leverage as these leaders, I had to first attract my own community. And this led me to grinding sleepless nights over two years to attract over 250,000 followers on my social media accounts. Now, people finally started noticing, recognizing, and paying me. Hence, it is now my mission to help you become the go-to expert in your industry so that you can attract, convert, and scale your clients on social media without ever spending a single cent. Now, this podcast was created for the visionaries, misfits, rebels, and change makers who don't settle for the ordinary and strive for excellence. You are what I call a domain leader, one who continuously dedicates to mastery and is in a relentless pursuit to reinvent your industry. Okay, along the way, I'll interview thought leaders to help you reverse engineer and uncover your true gift of attraction. And I'll also share with you my experience earning and selling well over six figures over three years on social media. If you're looking for my free personal training to get high paying clients on social media without spending a single cent, hop over to strategicattraction.com. My name's Darius and you're listening to Influence to Impact. Hey guys, today's leader has been helping Asia's best service-based entrepreneurs generate millions of dollars for the past three years, or actually past many, many years through the X-Factor methods. And this is the same method he used to close millions of dollars over a weekend. Now, although you might be thinking, wow, that sounds really, really great. Okay, he started his entrepreneurship journey, dropping out of university at about age of 20, if I'm not wrong, and making $800 a month. And the truth is this, right? He changed his life when he first met his mentor called Marshall Turbo. And Marshall Turbo is a mentor of both Tony Robbins and Robert Kiyosaki. And Melvin then went on to introduce Marshall into the Asian market and generate millions of dollars along the way as well. So aside from coaching and collecting Asia's most elite marketers, coaches, and sales professionals like Pokemon under his belt, he also spends his time training with Navy sales to forge an elite mindset and lifestyle as well. So introducing today's guest, Melvin So. Hey, what's up, Darius? Okay. Awesome, man. And first of all, I think the first question we want to ask, right, is what us true. What made you absolutely sure that you were going to drop out from school and then became an entrepreneur without having any experience at all? Because I know you had zero experience, but then you just went in like balls deep. All right. So before I answer the question, I want to address what the heck am I doing in what looks like a nightclub setting. So I'm actually doing a multi-million dollar mastermind right here in a very fancy hotel in Singapore called uh, W Hotel in Sentosa Cove. So please excuse the soft toy at the back, which belongs to my wife and the fancy. Uh, this is the best the hotel has. Okay, this is the way they set up the room at night. To answer Darius' question, uh, so, I, so I'm actually taking a little bit of time away from the folks downstairs to be here with you guys. Uh, so at least you know that I practice what I preach uh, because yeah, the room downstairs is worth quite a lot of money. Uh, so to answer Darius's question, uh, there was no guarantee. <laughs> there is, uh, so there is a young is a young man, and uh, you know when you are young, you sometimes have great ideas, many of which are not very great as time progresses. <laughs> so, when I was doing, 
So to answer your question, Darius, when I was uh, when I was twenty, I I mean I was reading a lot of uh, biographies, right? The funny thing is, I I was always a great student. Uh, I was uh, think I was pretty intelligent, but I never quite followed the rules. So in school, I always got in trouble with the discipline master. Uh, however, they could never fire me because I, I was also the best student. So you must understand, I was the one that was the most ill-disciplined, but also the one that uh, had the best grades. So it was a bit confusing for the principal. It was like, all right, cool. This guy is both earning the scholarships and also getting into trouble. So we can't exactly fire him. Uh, I, at age 17, 18, when I was in a top school in Singapore, I watched this movie called Fight Club. Darius, have you heard of this movie called Fight Club? I heard about it before. I heard about it before. Yeah, so it's a it's a great movie. It's a, it's a very rebellious movie. It's about a bunch of uh, Brad Pitt and Edward Norton's character, uh, basically uh, what we call uh, Nihilists which means uh, an anarchist, which means they believe in the ending of uh, societal order. I, I was really enthralled by the movie because uh, it was a rebellious movie and I knew I didn't like societal systems and you know education and stuff like that. However, the problem with uh, rebelliousness, Darius, is most of the time rebelliousness is based entirely on the same foundation as conformity. When you rebel, Darius, it just means that I do not like society. Now, if you often ask a rebel, what do they therefore want? They are un unable to say it. So there's conformity, people who agree, and there are rebels, uh, different rebels who disagree. But rebels usually don't have much to contribute. So I was a rebel. And so uh, they came along the school system and I said, you know what, I don't want this. Man, screw this. I want out. However, what did I want to do? I had no idea. I just knew I wanted out. And so, and also I read a lot of biographies by Steve Jobs, Michael Dell, and inside they all stated that, you know, they all dropped out of school. So I said, you know what, there is the secret to success drop out of school. <laughs> uh, apparently, I didn't read the rest of the biography because there's a lot more to life than dropping out of school. But there was uh, my bright idea, that bright idea. So uh, it's not it's not that bright, but uh, that was my bright idea. Then. And so what was your biggest challenge, actually, after you drop out? What was the biggest difficulty or struggle that you constantly faced? Now, I know confirm a challenge will be like, oh, you need to learn marketing, you need to learn how to sell and all these kind of things. But what was the constant struggle that you had to come in terms with on the journey, especially when you were earning for $800 a month for so yep. long. Like, it's going to, you have to endure like months or years of that yes. pain and struggle. Yeah. Uh, well, the what was the hardest thing, right? The hardest thing was, uh, I think, this, see, one of the things that I do now is, is I coach a lot of top speakers, marketers, and salespeople. The reason I'm so passionate about coaching is because coaching fun fundamentally answers this question. You see, there, there is to tell you even what I thought I didn't know back then would imply that I didn't know what I didn't know. Does that make sense? I, I'm going to state it a bit slower, right? So if I could tell you, Darius, I, was, I struggled because I was ignorant in these three departments would mean I had awareness that this was the thing that I was deficient in. However, when you're starting out, the one thing that you have is a total ignorance. You don't even don't know what you don't know, all right? You don't know what you don't know. You, 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 you think it's really easy, you know? And, and that was it, you know, I thought, uh, it was really easy. I didn't know what I didn't know. And hence, you know, there's no way to fix what you are not aware of. And so I just struggled. I just struggled. and went round and round in circles. So imagine this for everyone listening, right? Uh, you're in the jungle, you're lost, and you have no compass. And so you have some bright ideas, right? And just walk and just run through round and round in circles. So that was my life for seven years, round and round in a circle, you know? So that's why uh, every time I look at people who, who, are, who are telling me things like, all right, cool, I'm, try I'm trying to figure it out. I know, right? So I'll ask them one question. Have you, had, have you ever succeeded before? And they say no, right? The moment you say no and they're trying to figure it out, right? I know they're going to go around and around in circles because you don't know what you don't know. At least if you can say, right, I'm deficient in three departments, then it is able for you to fix it because you can diagnose the problem. Then you're able to fix it. But if you're like, all right, cool, you know, uh, I'm trying to figure it out. And you ask them, are you aware of what your problems are? They say, I'm trying to figure it out, which means they aren't. Then you know they're going to go around in circles. <laughs> 
Now that's very interesting uh, about diagnosing and actually realizing what's your problem. So what do you think, what do you think was the, like the vote or like the war that you hit that would make you realize like crap, what I need is to find a mentor and probably maybe one of the first few was Marshall Turbo. Yeah. So I think if I look back and to answer your question, right? If I look back and see what the challenges that I was facing, it was everything, right? Uh, so you just take a look, right? If you just take a person off the street and he gets in a boxing ring with a pro fighter, uh, he's going to get knocked out pretty bad. And why is he going to get knocked out? Well, he's he's lacking in every department. Number one, he's lacking mindset, right? He just doesn't have the mindset of a winner. Number two, he doesn't have the conditioning of a winner. He doesn't have the skill set of a winner. He doesn't have the dynamic strategy of a winner. He literally has nothing, right? So the reason I was struggling at the start was because I literally had nothing. I didn't have a mindset. I didn't have the skill set. I didn't have uh, the evolving strategy. I didn't even have the basic fundamentals. It was every, everything was lacking. And you know, if everything is lacking, you're just a newbie and you're just going there. You're basically a human punching bag. And that was what I was for the first 70 years of my life. I was a human punching bag. Uh, the lowest point I hit was at, at, at this point in time when I was just, you know, I was eating one meal a day. You know, uh, I often tell the story at a wealth class that I teach that, you know, I didn't even have a wallet back then because a wallet would imply that I had money to put inside the wallet. <laughs> so I didn't have a wallet uh, because, yeah. <laughs> because I know money. So a wallet costs money. And number two, a wallet contains money, which I didn't have. So I didn't really have a wallet. So uh, at that point of time, there were plastic containers that you eat bean curd in. There is, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I know. Well, <laughs> so, so I had coins. I had coins in a plastic container, which I put on my table. And basically inside that was all the money I had. And the coins were not like $1 coins. They were like 50 cents a few, 20 cents, 10 cents, 5 cents, 1 cent. And every single day when it uh, came time to eat one meal a day, I'll grab a handful of these coins. I'll go down to the hawker center under my block count the number of coins because that's what broke people do. You count the number of coins first because you don't want to order food and then figure out you have no money to pay. So I'll count and uh, on this particular day, I recall I had $2.40 and it was uh, quite a pathetic sum of money. Uh, it meant I could eat a small plate of vegetable rice, but no no coffee. And I said, I'm 27, 28 years old, right? Uh, and I didn't want to live like like this. I said, this was, this, this, this was pretty bad. And, and I said, you know what? I've tried it my way for the last six, seven years. I said, it's time to, it's time to try something different. And that was when I decided, you know what, I need to find myself somebody who's successful and can teach me because I try to figure it out, which a lot of people do. And so far, I have not been able to figure it out, right? I attended courses, I read books and wasn't very successful so far. Awesome. And then you went over to like meet Marshall, right? And what was your most like defining moments that you first met him that kind of changed the way you approach business and life? Right, because you found a mentor and you realized like this is the one. So what made you realize that this is the one and what made you change that perspective of how you approach business and life? Because your business and life was pretty done book right before that. Yeah. So I think I, I think first and foremost, let's address how, how the heck I managed to get to see Marshall. So I had to borrow money, right? Uh, sometimes I think the universe works in a very interesting ways. Uh, I felt a calling for, for some reason uh, to see this man whom I never met before. Uh, his name is Marshall Thurber, right? He was in the class in Melbourne. And I was like, I've never been to Melbourne. I didn't have the money to fly to Melbourne, much less attend his class. But sometimes I felt, uh, I think the universe supports you. And so I felt a calling, you know, within to attend his session. And needless to say, I had to borrow money and kind of scrap together whatever I had to go there. Uh, the one thing that Marshall gave, gave me a fun, was uh, fundamentals. Uh, definitely Marshall had helped Ben Cohen of Ben & Jerry's expand and scale his uh, billion-dollar ice cream empire. He had helped Vidal Sassoon uh, scale his Sassoon shampoo, Vidal Sassoon shampoo, which is now used by a lot of major hairdressers and salutes. And Marshall had been very successful in that. So the way Marshall teaches is very interesting. He plays games and he teaches through uh, fundamentals, fundamental principles. 
And that was the first time ever that I encountered fundamental principles. I tried to read a few books, but there are a lot of tactics. Uh, but first time somebody strung together an entire three to five days of fundamentals. And I sat there and I was like, my God, this is, this is everything that I wanted, right? And I never received from any books or any professor or any theory before. And I said, this was exactly what I needed. It changed the way I see business. Uh, and I think if you change your perception and change your paradigm, and then all of a sudden you understand the game in a different light. And so what was it that made you go, okay, um, now, I, now that I'm with this mentor, what was it that made you go, okay, it's time to really change that whole business approach that you've been doing? What's that whole life approach that you're doing? What were the changes that you actually made? Uh, I, I think the next question becomes like, why did I decide to just like stick with Marshall, right? Uh, and, and then what changes did I make? You know, I think very, very often, now I have been jumping around long enough. And, you know, I think the funniest thing that I see in young entrepreneurs these days is very frequently when they find something that works and when it delivers a result, they very quickly want to find the next thing. And it's the funniest thing ever. And I put it down to uh, youth. And I put it down to maybe a little bit of immaturity. I put it down to a little bit of uh, instant gratification. It is the most funny thing ever. Now, the reason I didn't do this is because I had jumped around a lot and I was no longer in my early 20s. You know, So, so think about it, right? So below right now, we're teaching a little bit of in, about investing. And the worst thing you can do in investing is to cut your winners to save your losers, right? So let's say I have a stock now that makes a whole bunch of money. Some people will sell it in order to salvage the ones that aren't making money, which, you know, if you think about it, is some of the dumbest things that you can do. You should probably cut your losers and scale your winners. And so uh, a lot of young, young folks, right, they find maybe a coaching program, a mentor, or something that, that works. And just when it begins to work, right, they're like, all right, cool, it has worked, okay, cool, now it's time to move on. And they don't understand one simple thing. In life, it's not always easy to find something that works. Uh, in fact, a lot of things don't work. That's the key. And if you find something that works, it is really a treasure. If something that works, right, you damn well stick to it. Now, I'd gone through about six, seven years of jumping around industry to industry. I did all sorts of stuff. And now I found a man who managed to make a click in my brain. And I thought, and I told myself, you know what? Damn right, if this man can make a difference in my life, I'm going to stick with this guy. And then I get rich. You know, and I thought uh, that was a lesson I learned through pain. And I learned to stick to something. And so I said, you know what? I approached Marshall and said, is there a way you can mentor me so that I can be successful? And then uh, that uh, had mentor, had Marshall be my coach and mentor. And then in, in that year, I just listened to everything that he said. Now, what were some of the things that he said, right? First thing he, he told me. So here are the things that, uh, you know, I hope everyone listening can pull up pen and paper and just really take some notes. The first thing he, he mentioned is that a broke person sells a product and service, right? So if you go out there and tell people, okay, cool, I have a product, right? Here's a mouse. I have, I have a service, you know, I do copywriting. You're going to be broke. The reason a product and service is going to be broke is because a product and service can be easily duplicated. Uh, we live in Singapore, and anyone listening who's uh, basically from a pri privileged country uh, like Canada, America, UK, etc., uh, if you offer a product service, uh, you are in trouble. You're in trouble because there are third world countries where someone's willing to do it for one hundredth of the price. Uh, and also, there's a website called Fiverr. So all my uh, video editors who are charging five hundred dollars, right? Please un understand, people can pay one hundredth of the price, five bucks, and somebody's willing to do it. Someone in Pakistan, India, Philippines is willing to do it for five bucks. And so your product and service is worth nothing unless you want to be the lowest and the cheapest, unless you want to start Fover or Trever, right? Which is your three bucks and four bucks, which uh, by, by the way, you have to do a thousand to make $3,000. So that was the way to get broke. Now, the way to get rich, Marshall emphasized was to create an experience for people, to create a transformation for people. And it started the idea of intangibles for, for me, where I started to realize that people will pay things, not just for the item itself, but for whatever the item could provide in terms of the intangible. That was the first key. 
The second key was, was to provide people with a lick of the ice cream cone and basically to switch a model where we would give people a rough sample, where we connect with people and use networks, where we use a transfer of trust. So by the time, and we use priming, so that by the time we interacted with, with people, they had a good perception of us. We had a good reputation of us. And our network would kind of like spread it out to people so that uh, people came pre-framed and people were willing to invest in our, uh, ser in our services, in our products, in what we could do for people. And just thinking along those lines, started me to shift my business model away from just, hey, I'm just doing a bunch of items. So, hey, here's a transformation I can effect for you. Let me try it out for you so you can see it. And, and, and by the way, as a result, here's what I'll, I'll be charging. And once I delivered a result, I had them refer to continue the cycle. And very soon I had three clients who were paying me between two and five, three K. And very soon I had four to five of these clients. And I clocked my first four figure day, then my first five figure day. And I was like, man, this, is, this works. Okay, awesome, man. And so what do you think along that way, right? Because you had like a decade of just marketing, copywriting, a lot with marketing and sales, especially. Right? What do you think was like your own uh, superpower of influence that got you to really impact so many people? What would you say like makes you stand out in terms of that someone else can't really replicate? That's really your superpower of influence. I, I think there's a reason why we call it X Factor, right? I, I have a unique ability to, to take a look at any single thing and discover what the attractive angle that makes it stand out. Uh, I think everything begins with the angle, okay? The, the, the one thing in, in boxing is if you're to square up against a person, so let's say we are fighting now, all right? I'm square against you, so my, my shoulders are square towards you. You can see everything that I do. Uh, there is no way that, that we are both going to be very effective at knocking each other up, right? This is a terrible fight because you can see everything that I do before I do it. I can see everything you do before you do it, and this is just a bloodbath. We're just trying to try beat each other. Nothing much will happen. Unfortunately, this is the way most people run their business. The most effective way uh, in, in boxing is about footwork because footwork gets you angles. If there's if you come in at a unique angle, then all of a sudden uh, you are open to opportunities that you know squaring up doesn't. Unfortunately, most businesses are run squaring up, right? I say I can do leads, you say you can do leads. All right, cool, let's beat each other up now. Uh, that, but the most effective thing is through your footwork. And in this case, your intelligence and your strategy, you come out at an angle. At an angle, you're going to see opportunities that you never see before. X Factor is all based around an angle, right? The stuff that I help you and so many people with is all based around finding a unique angle. The moment you have a unique angle, it sticks. It sticks because it allows you an opportunity that most people don't have because it catches people's attention, right? So it begins there. I, I guess I have many skills, but the first one, begins with an angle, right? An angle that catches attention. There's a classic copywriting uh, formula, AIDA. The first A always begins with attention. If you're unable to capture attention, nothing else matters, right? You will not get an I, D, and A. So you got to cap capture attention and the X factor, something that's unique, captures people's attention. After you capture their attention, then self-interest kicks in. Then you start thinking, okay, cool, what can this guy do for me? And that's when you have to generate interest, right? And I guess I'm pretty good at doing that. And then afterwards, you have to drive them towards the close. And that's the kind of thing that you do, you, you do with persuasion over the phone, etc. But nothing happens if there's no attention. If people ignore you and scroll past you, you have no chance. Well, that's very interesting because I think you have been uh, developing your whole craft in, you know, X Factor and finding what's an attractive angle. Like what you said, focusing on fundamentals as well. They make a lot of difference in the business. Like how you're not selling a product, so it's selling experience transformation, right? And you have gone through a lot of fundamentals, also a lot of advanced strategies as well. Right, but why is it that continue that makes you continue want to to want to like hone your craft and to master and push it to another level? Because most people most likely go up to a level and they go, you know what? I, I think I'm pretty good over here. Maybe I'm earning like maybe 200 k a year, four hundred k a year. You know what? I'm, I'm I'm quite fine with that. Yeah. So uh, I think that's a great question. Uh, the 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 fundamental truth of it is that 
it's really understanding yourself at a deep level, right? So my understanding of myself at a deep level is that what is important to me at the end of the day, uh, yes, the, the monetary success is great. It provides an element of security and allows me to know that no matter what happens, I'll be perfectly fine, right? I've generated quite a bit of money from doing what I do and, and it's awesome. But there's one thing that I teach at a wealth class, which is money reviews people. The more money you, you, you make, you get to see what kind of person you are. If you broke, you have no idea what kind of person you are because you're technically doing it for the money. But the more money you have and the more you don't have to do what you have to do for money, then you get to see what kind of person you are. Because now, if you're doing it, it's definitely not for, for, for the money. Then that begs the question, why? Why would you do it? <laughs> right? Because we're all accustomed to the fact that we do something for the money. But what happens when money isn't a concern anymore? Then you start to have that moment with yourself where you start to ask, why am I doing it then? What is the real, real reason I, I, I do it? Why, why am I working hard? Why am I waking up early in the morning, staying up late, reading all of this stuff, right? Before that, it's easy because you tell yourself, I need the money to survive. But then suddenly you realize I have a decent amount of money. You know, why do I still do it? And then uh, things like passion, things like core values, things like the vision. That in my, my entire thing is mastery. I, I think the purpose of life is two things, right? Purpose of life is to learn and grow. And the purpose of life is to contribute. Uh, that it seems that life is a journey to teach us only two things, right? First of all, there are lessons we seem to need to learn. And once we learn those lessons, funny enough, we become the best teachers of those lessons. It's kind of funny, right? I, I'm great at teaching wealth because I used to be broke. I'm great at teaching marketing and sales because I used to be terrible. I'm great at teaching dating because I used to be very bad at these things. So the funny thing is my overcoming of my, my challenges make me a perfect teacher. Imagine if I was all great at these things. I have no idea and no empathy towards anybody's struggles. I'm like, oh, I have no idea. You know, I was always good at it. So, so that's it. Uh, life is for us to learn and grow in terms of uh, lessons. Appears that somebody wants to teach us some lessons. And after we master the lessons, life appears to want us to contribute. So I'm very passionate about the craft. Uh, you know, I want to keep learning and growing. And along the way, it allows me an opportunity to share. And also, uh, next thing after money, right? Next thing after money, we go up the master hierarchy of needs is self-actualization, where you start to think about things like, you know, what kind of difference do I make? What legacy will I have? And what do I re really want to do? Right, the irony, Mark Twain wants it, you know, tragedy of life is two days. Number one, not having what you desire. Number two, having what you desire. Because when you don't have what you desire, you feel a sense of emptiness, right? You're like, oh shit, I don't have my goal. And the day you have your goal, then the next question comes in, oh shit, I got my goal. What am I going to do next? Right? It's also another sense of emptiness. You know, human beings are very funny people. So uh, I did ask myself uh, that question and I kind of realized that, uh, you know, I'm still pretty young. And what, 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 what do I want to do that has meaning and impact? And I suddenly realized that, you know, I really want to work with very top speakers, trainers, marketers, consultants. I want to work, work with uh, top salespeople and I really want to help them get the next level. Uh, just very top people who desire to help people and, you know, uh, help influence them and that leverage so that I'll be able to impact more, more lives through these people, right? So if you take a look at your work and your podcast, right, you're going to reach a lot more people. It's uh, going to be way more effective than if I try to reach these people myself. Imagine I've had a hundred people, a thousand of these people, and each one of you reached, let's say, a thousand people or ten thousand people. That means indirectly, I've impacted a million lives or ten million lives, and that's pretty cool, you know. And uh, and I and I think that's that's my entire mission these days to work only with the very best people who have impact, and that's where it's going to leverage uh, the kind of impact that I make. That's interesting how when you are you know saying all that whole form of mastery. Right, Robert Green also talks a lot about mastery, mastery, literally one whole book of mastery. And mastery is a lot of suffering, right? It's a lot of suffer and suffer and suffer. You have to suffer all the way in order to get to the top. And some of us have, like what you say, have different thresholds when it comes to suffering. 
Maybe we hit one point of time and we go, you know what, this is the amount that I want to suffer, this this where I'm going to take it. But what, keep, what gets you to keep elevating that level of suffering? Because I'm quite sure you also have a threshold in terms of suffering, like in terms of maybe signing up for for freaking, uh, <laughs> you guys will know this guy sign up for like a like some Navy sale mastermind where basically they do insane Navy sales kind of thing, even though he's not a Navy sale. But, but what gets you to, you know, keep on increasing that threshold of suffering? And what gets you to keep pushing it? And what's a sustainable way of like yes. just keeping it increase it? Oh, uh, I would call it suffering. I actually call it like growth, right? You, I think it's really interesting. The one of the greatest joys, right? Uh, here are two things the movies tell you make you happy. Number one, good sex. Number two, having money. All right, because apparently when you in the movies, when when you have money, you buy a bunch of things, and then you know life is awesome. Uh, number two, if you have sex with either a handsome guy or a handsome girl, apparently life is awesome. I can tell you that both of these things feel pretty awesome. However, the one thing that really is the most exciting thing, whether you're young or old, male or female, is mastering some, something. When you actually get good at something and you were previously sucky at it, and now you're really good at it, there's nothing more orgasmic than that feeling, right? When you overcome yourself. Uh, and let's say you couldn't dance before. Three, four months later, you can dance. You look in the mirror and you realize, hey man, that guy is me. <laughs> you can't speak a language. And now you look in the mirror and you're like, my God, I speak the language. That is the most incredible feeling ever, right? And I think that's why people are addicted uh, positively to self-growth because self-growth is fun and there's something tangible at the end of it, right? Because you realize that you have a skill. So the idea of mastery is the idea of mastering skills where you go from not having to having. Well, all of a sudden when you have and you like look in the mirror or when you do it, you're like, my God, that person is me, man, you know? Uh, because you actualize something in yourself. I think that is a very fulfilling feeling, right? When you were not good at it, and then through your hard work, through your practice, through your study, suddenly you became good at it, right? And then all of a sudden you realize, man, I have accomplished something real. I think that is very important, right? Something that is real. Uh, so I, I would consider suffering, I consider just growth. Uh, growth means not being able to do something, and then you practice and you are able to do something. Is there a threshold? I, I think everything needs to be done in a sustainable manner. I think that's another thing that we preach at X Factor, sustainable success. The reason is because on those 14 years of working behind the scenes, I know there's a lot of speakers, trainers, they go on stage, right? And they go up there and they overpromise and they underdeliver. And the biggest uh, challenge uh, when you do that is people get really pissed off. And when they get really pissed off and uh, they start to haul your ass to court, write uh, scam reviews about you, and your career is very short. And I start to realize that the most important thing is everything needs to be sustainable. If it goes too fast, only to implode, then everybody dies. If it's sustainable, then you can still make money 20, 30 years from, from now. The secret uh, that most young people don't know is that you're probably gonna live a long life. However, if you blow it up all at 25 and 26, and the internet never forgets, we realize that the internet never forgets. And let's say I take Darius Stan and all sorts of weird shit comes up. <laughs> career is over. I have no idea what the heck you would do now. <laughs> Right. Uh, because un un unless your, your your goal is to make a million dollars and then basically your career is over, for, for for some people they would rather do that. But I I think most most will not want want that. Because then it begs the question: What are you gonna do at twenty five? Do you kind of see right at twenty five your career is done, and no one's gonna touch you, and you know, and everyone's gonna be like, oh man, I'm not gonna touch that guy, and your career is finished, and that's not good, right? Uh, because you're gonna be hard pressed to do anything else. So the most sustainable way is to grow and scale sustainably. So that five years from now, your reputation is higher than ever before. 10 years from now, your reputation is even higher than, than before. Then truly you have a money machine. You have an impact machine. If this machine dies in three years, 
that's not good. And in the next three years from then on, no one's going to touch you. You think about that. Is that really good? That's like a steroid. The difference between the steroid, right? And uh, we have our Instagram generation. Everyone wants to take a steroid uh, because everyone wants to be successful so that they can flash the cash on Instagram for ego purposes. Now, the challenge with steroids is steroids make you really, really huge. And they also kill you. And so most people take a steroid are dead before 45. Uh, so unless the goal is to be dead before 45, then please go, go ahead and do unsustainable things. But if you want to live a long, rich life with your kids, with your spouse, and basically have a long lasting career and have people remember you for the impact you make, then sustainable seems to be the way. Natural seems to be the way. So that's what I have to say about that. That's great that you bring about the concept of sustainability because that's the one the next question I'm gonna ask you, right? Which is to you have been attracting elites, you have been like kind of forging your own mindset to make sure that you're always at the top and the top and the top. You're always mentioning top people, top yeah. whoever it is. But what keeps you to sustainably like uh, increase it while still sustaining at that level? Right? Because you talk about why, but now how do we actually go about sustaining the income level? Answer. The answer is space. And no one you ever interview will mention this word. The answer is space. Uh, the difference we have limited energy and a limited life force and we have limited capacity to contain things. And so imagine this is space. The more successful people get, the more they fill their space, the mental space, emotional space with things and things that complicate and haul them down. If I fall Lamborghinis now, they take up space in my brain because I need to think about how to maintain them. Uh, if I buy uh, five, ho- five houses, they take up space. If I have three girlfriends, they take up space. Right. If I now have a whole bunch of things like a garden that needs a garden and a cut, a pool that needs a pool boy to take care of, all of a sudden it takes up space. And the funny thing is the richer people get, they start to fill their limited capacity, right? Their emotional, mental capacity with things that now takes up space. And, and when it takes up space, guess what they have less, less space to do? Less space to do the work. This is why top elite athletes, right? They, they are very successful and hungry when they are rich, when, when they're broke. Does it make sense? Because when you're broke, you got nothing in your space. The only thing you can dream about is success. But the richer they get, they start to fill their lives with things and all sorts of complicated things. And then more and more, see, you're having an enlightening moment. More and more, it fills up their life. Less and less, they have space, mental, emotional space to devote to their craft. And then we all realize what happens when you stop investing a lot, that you don't get a lot. And that's why you see most people cannot sustain at the very top. Now, am I saying that everyone should live a very simple life like me? Because there is, I don't own a car, I take rap, takes away space from my head. I don't even maintain a car. I don't own any, any watches. I don't own any fancy stuff. You know, I live in a simple place because I'm dedicated to the success that I want. It takes up space, right? So if I have less concerns about all of these things, I I, I don't mean I'm, I, I'm eating broke stuff, right? But I keep my life really simple because the simplicity in my life allows me space, space to take care of many of the other things that I wish we should take care of. So I have a more mental space to think about different things. Okay. Because if I buy two cars, many people don't understand. It takes up time. It takes up space. So some people argue, nah, it doesn't. Really? If anything happens to a car, guess where you go? The workshop, right? That takes up time. Right? Now, financially, it takes up space. Right? Mentally, it takes up space. You have to start thinking about barking and all of these kind of things. You have to start thinking about maintenance and color and what kind of thing you want to put in your car. Do you see that? I make none of these decisions. None, because my life is simple. And when I don't make any of these decisions, it allows me to devote more time to the things I want to do, right? Uh, so I have a lot of space, and that's my secret. I have a lot more space than other people. Now, however, this implies one very simple word, and this is why very few people will be successful, because the word is sacrifice. 
it is sacrifice because a lot of people don't want to hear hear this this segment but might be a very unpopular segment in your podcast most people are like man fuck this i work so hard to make a whole ton of money and now this guy's telling me when you make the money you want to live simply man fuck that that's not exactly <laughs> what i this is not what i wanted I'm, 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 are you kidding me i mean all this money to live a simple life and i say hey it is what it is right uh sacrifice right i'm willing to sacrifice those those things and therefore i deserve every single thing i get because i just live a simple life and and allows me to devote more space to the things that i want to do uh if you fill your space with things then you have less space for the things you want it's just indeed what it is so it is what it is <laughs> i think i really really love the concept of space right i think i think that the moment that clicked for me was when you said uh, people who basically fill the fill the space with more kind of things then because of that, they're not able to focus on the things that really needs to be focused. Yep. And so look, at the more things. look at a rapper. A rapper starts getting successful. What does he do? Spends more time in the studio? Hell fucking no. He spends more time partying. It takes up space. He starts hanging out with models, maybe. That takes up space, right? Maybe sleeping around or dating seven girls. Hey, each one that takes up space, man. Right? He's drinking. He's uh, going on promotional shoots. He's dating. He's buying fancy clothes. He's buying uh, fancy cars. He's trying out different things because he wants to look cool for the gram. Guess what? He used to spend 100 hours in the studio. Now he's spending 90 hours doing things outside the studio. And now he only spends 10 hours in the studio. And when he's in the studio, he's on his phone. He has now no space for his craft. He deserves to fail. Meanwhile, someone else is willing to spend 100 hours to his craft. So the guy wins. It's as simple as that. Right? So... Uh, it, it is what it is. The, the ones that are successful are the ones that either keep their life simple and therefore they have a space to dedicate. Or you have people like Cristiano Ronaldo, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan. They were able to buy the fancy things and still devote the space to their craft. Most people are not able to do that because uh, there's a reason why it's called trappings. The trappings of wealth and fame. Because when you're rich and successful, see, you wouldn't understand it until you reach a level of fame and success. Uh, because when, when you broke and you start up, you don't understand. No, like you know, you wish people invited you to parties. <laughs> once, once you're a little bit successful, then everybody wants your time. Everybody thinks you you are the shit, right? And that's a little bit different. And during that period of time, then they, these things take up space. Vices start to take up space, right? Uh, ego starts to take up space, and the more space is taken up, then the less you have to give. Now it's good that you brought up ego because that's the next thing I want to talk about, right? Mastery is a lot about, you know, just not just like settling down with what you already have because most people start being complacent like, oh, you know what? I probably got the best thing in the market. I don't think anyone can beat me. And then like ours is totally different. But until someone comes in and conquer the market, they go, oh shit, right? They got to wake up to the idea, right? So you talk about, you know, keeping your check in ego a lot of time in the mastermind that I'm in as well as your teaching, right? And you talk about like keeping that whole ego in check because that prevents us from the world of mastery as well. Yeah. So I think to the viewers as well, I think they would love to know exactly why it is that you actually keep your ego in check and devote yourself into mastery even further. Hey there, I just want to pause here for a second and ask you, what's your biggest takeaway so far? If you've gotten some insights on your life or business, I would hugely appreciate if you review this on the podcast and share it on your Facebook or Instagram stories. Just make sure to tag me at Darius Tan Official and I'll make sure to send you a free gift over to you. Alright, my second is long over, so let's return back to the episode. Okay, so the simple truth is uh, there are a variety of things, right? Number one, I believe that every single person who desires to be successful should find, 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 find himself people 
I should absolutely pay them, pay people to give them the truth. Uh, that is absolutely. If you want to be long-term successful, find yourself a no BS kind of coach and make sure you stick with that person through and through. Uh, I, I have people in my life that I pay to tell me the truth. It's as simple as that. Because the reason is because the more successful you are, less people tell, tell you the truth. And you start to think that you know you are in, invincible. And you start to think that it's somehow uh, you that is in, invincible. And that is the beginning of the downfall. There is it's never you that is invincible. It is the things that you do that ensure you succeed. The day we attribute away from the things that we do to us is the day we start to misattribute success. You see, right now, if you train 50 hours a week and you're successful, it is, yes, partially thanks to you, but also thanks to your coaches and your training. Now, if you decide to challenge that and you start to think, oh, all of a sudden, wait, I am the one that is successful and you don't train 50 hours and you don't listen to your coaches and you just show up under train, you will start to realize you get a shit pounder out of you. <laughs> and you start to realize, wait a minute, I'm not as cool and special as I thought I was, right? If I don't do the things that are successful, then I'm not going to get the victory. That's when you start to realize, wait a minute, I'm successful for the things that I do, not just who I am. Does it make sense? And when you understand that, then it keeps your ego in check because you're like, wait a minute, it's not me. It's because I'm going to do the work, which means if I don't do the work, then it's not going to work out, right? So th that's the first key is when you start to attribute it to the things that you do as opposed to the fact that you're somehow so special, gifted, really some, some genius. I really dislike it when people attribute things to genius, right? Because every single person, I mean, they naturally know how to do it. Even a talented soccer player like Lionel Messi had, had to train. So people underestimate the training, they overestimate the genius. Genius is raw material. Raw material needs to be distilled. Without distillation, raw material is raw material. It's never going to end up to anything. So the first key is never forget what got you here, right? The first thing that people do, that's why it's so funny, right? That I, I go back to young, young people comment, the moment they get success, they ditch the thing that got them here. It's kind of weird, right? Right? It's like, all right, cool. I'm successful now. Now I fire all my coaches and I will just go out there and do, and do my own thing. Uh, is your coaches that got, got you here out of the ghetto. <laughs> so firing them will send your ass right back to the ghetto. I'm going to tell you that. You know, I'm very aware of that. That's the first key. The, the second thing that keeps you humble, yes, of course, is if you're some no BS person that can give you the truth. The reason is because the more famous and successful you are, no one wants to piss you off. It's really funny. You start to have less and less of the truth. And if you have less and less accurate information, you're going to make more and more bad decisions. And why, not, why do people not want to give you accurate information? They don't want to piss you off, right? They don't want to piss you off. They don't want to say anything that make you upset, right? Now think about it. There is, let's say you're successful now. You have a team of people. Are they going to tell the boss? That he's fucking up? No. Does he want to get fired? Right? Are your clients going to tell you that? Maybe, but most of them are not. Unless you set up a situation for them to tell, tell the truth. Uh, are your friends going to? No, because they are fucking with Darius. He's a man. Nobody's going to tell, tell the truth. Is your significant other? No, she's she's dating Darius. He's a rock star. She ain't going to tell, tell the truth. Who the fuck are you going to get, get the truth from? And meanwhile, things are happening behind the scenes. You have no idea. And then all of a sudden, you get punched and hit in the face. And you get slapped. And you say, oh my God, I didn't see that coming. Uh, everybody saw that coming. You didn't because you didn't get the information. And so if you have some, somebody who tell you the truth that you pay, then they're like, all right, cool. Since you pay me, I'll tell you the truth. You're making a lot of mistakes. And when you have visibility, then you can fix it. And someone to tell, to, to tell you. If you're counting on just the people around you, no, they won't. They absolutely will. They will not tell you the truth. And so you cannot fix anything if you don't have the truth. 
And the final thing is constantly to hang around people that are more successful than, than you. You think you're successful, uh, you think a million dollars is successful to hang out with, with, with people that uh, own. So let's say you have a million dollars, uh, let's say you go to a fancy hotel like me. Then you meet people that own the hotel and then you start to realize, hmm, there's a little bit of a difference here. <laughs> so you, you start to you start meet, meet people and then you're like, hmm, there's a huge, huge different difference here. And so it goes back to, to mastery, right? The idea is, uh, the funny thing about fame and success, if you're dedicated to your craft, is it allows you to meet people at a, at a high level. Uh, and when you meet people at a high level, you start to realize, oh shit, they know so much things that I don't. So the funny thing is, I believe that the more you're successful, the more you meet higher people that are playing at a much higher level, the more humble you should get. Because actually, it gives you access. So let's say a guy meeting $10 million now. You make $10,000 a month. He ain't meeting a fucking ass. Not <laughs> but let's say you make two or $3 million a year. He'll, he'll, he'll meet you because he thinks, man, this is this is a peer, a compatriot. And suddenly you talk to him and all your bright ideas, he's already done. And you go, oh shit, he's made 10 million. And you start to get real humble. You're like, man, wow, this is a, right? So, so the funny thing is fame and success allows you to hang out with really top people. And the more you hang out with, with, with them, you become more and more aware of uh, the things that you need to learn. Well, that's a very, very interesting concept about, <laughs> that I really love about, you know, I mean, you mentioned and keep harping back on, on the point that, you know, have someone to tell you the truth, have someone who's higher than you, always keep in check by, uh, always be not comparing by others lower than you, because if you compare others lower than you, then yeah. you're always really good. Arrogance comes from ignorance. Arrogance means you hang out with, I like, you fucking a secondary school kid, you hang out with kindergartens, <laughs> like, dude, Fucking stop hanging out with the with the preschoolers. Go hang out with some real people and then see see if you still get the arrogant feeling. I love it because I think throughout my whole life I've always been like looking up and I'm not just looking up, but learning from people who are way, way above me. And that catch me to go like, oh shit. You know, I just started. <laughs> Every single time I always look at someone and go, oh shit, I just started. Right? And my whole journey is oh shit, I just started. Even though maybe I, I've gotten some success, but I just keep on saying, oh, I just started. And I think I really, really love that concept of that, that keeping their whole ego in check. I think from the start until now, we talk a lot about, you know, forming that kind of uh, mindset that you want to be in, in order to sustain success and become an elite of thought yeah. person in your industry. Now, next question that I'm going to move on, right, is in terms of leadership of leading the elites. Because first you became the elite, then now you're leading the elites, right? You got this whole 50, 60 plus people, or even hundreds of people who constantly listen to you, right? So what is it that really uh, signifies you being a lead, uh, an actual leader that is at the top? What do you think, like, after looking at and hanging out with so many millionaires, right, even billionaires, right? <laughs> what gets a leader to the top and command the respect of the people at the top as well? It is, the, the simple answer is thinking exactly what, what you just said is the number one way to not be a leader. So if you're thinking about going to the top and commanding respect, that's usually how you do not command respect. Uh, because, because that right there is a self-centered thing, right? I want to get to the top. I want to have people look up to me. Uh, the number one way to command re respect is to really sincerely put forth the team and the people that, that you serve first. I think the one thing, let's say in X Factor right now, right? So we, we do a mastermind and, and, you, and you are inside and we have a lot of top, top people. I generally go, go in there never ever once uh, with the desire to say, all right, cool, look how great I am, right? Because first of all, that's highly insecure, right? I mean, I'm going in there trying to get validation and that's kind of fucked up. Uh, the, the, my genuine desire, because it goes back to mission, right? Mission and mastery. My genuine desire is I've learned a few things. I hope nobody here has to go through the pain that I went through. And I sincerely want to help you succeed. That's it. So the whole mastermind is created not Melvin-centric, which is like, hey, look at how great Melvin is. 
it's 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 around client centric. I want you guys to genuinely do well, and I genuinely celebrate the success. And every, every everything I do, every bright idea I have is geared towards how can I make Darius more successful? How can I make the people in X Factor more more successful? And that's it, right? Even the fact that uh, of whether I want people to continue with us is geared, geared around the fact that you know I feel that you have achieved some some things I can help you, right? Is it geared around making a bunch of money? Well, first of all, I feel I deserve the money, but then again, I've made a decent amount of money, you, you know, so. I mean, someone's re renewal, sure, add a few dollars to my bank account, but at the same time, it's like, okay, it's just cash, right? Uh, but at the same time, it's, it's the fact that, you know, I've selected my clients and, and really uh, selected the very best people, and I genuinely want them to do well. Like, I, I celebrate that. And I spend all my time thinking, how can I help you succeed? That's it, right? So that's why I do so many things that have people share their problems and challenges. And then after I share the problems and challenges, what, what you guys don't know is I actually print them out and I start thinking, how exactly can I help this guy overcome his problem? How can I set up something? So, so all the things I do in X Factor is geared around that. Uh, I think that's why I justify the tech of, of a leader because in a way I'm thinking and leading everyone to a greater place. A poor leader is one that thinks about, all right, cool, I want to now be respected. I want everyone to listen to, to me. Uh, and then very soon everyone realizes, hmm, this guy is doing it for himself. And we sense that. We sense that in speaking. We sense... When a person's on stage, whether they are sharing with the audience in mind or with themselves in mind, it's very easy to tell. One is egocentric, another is people-centric. And so uh, I think the best thing a leader can do is to uh, realize that he needs people in order to lead. So he needs to, and also he needs to lead these people to a better place than they are right now. <laughs> if they're not getting to a better place than they are right now, their ass will leave because they're like, what the fuck am I listening to this guy? Right? So the whole goal of being a leader is to point the, di the, the direction and bring people to a much better place. And if you focus on that, then you'll be the leader. If you focus on yourself and how I can be, you know, looked upon, sought after, and authority, which I see a lot of people do, uh, then this <laughs> is self-centered, man. You, you know, there's that. So I really love how you talk about, you know, focusing on the team, focusing on the people that you're leading rather than just focusing on yourself and like you've been great at all. So now talking about leading this whole team of people, yeah. like what, what is it that maybe you can share us some insight between behind like what are the things that you do behind the scenes that get you to constantly think about, okay, how can I better lead these people? Because you talk about, oh, you know, you come thinking how I better lead these people. I'm quite sure that's not the only question you ask, right? But so how is it that you go behind the scenes and you think about, okay, how can I better lead these people? How can I become a better leader and bring them to the place that they want to be? I think the first thing is to be interested, right? But even before interested, I think everyone should make a point to only work with people that they really like. If you're working with people you don't like, it's very hard to be interested, right? So, you know, we all say we should care about the people. I think that's why the first key idea at X Factor is qualification. If you're working with a bunch of people you hate, it's very hard to be uh, interested in their success. And so the real secret at X Factor when the whole bunch of people apply is we take actually less than 10% of people. Because the 10% of people we take are frankly number one, their potential, and number two, we like them. Which means if they ask us a question, we actually give a shit about answering. There's some people that you're just like, I don't like this person. If you don't like them, don't take their money. I think it's kind of, it's kind of important, right? So uh, if you like them, that means you're interested in their success. Though which means if they ask questions, you pay attention. You start thinking how you can make them successful. And in a way, their success matters to you. And I think it's really, really important. When their success matters to you, because that's the idea of a coach. Think about it, right? Let's say I coach a football club and you watch football. I don't give a shit about my players or the club. What the fuck am I the coach? <laughs> <laughs> I don't care about you fucking people. I don't care about the club. Why are you the coach? So a coach needs to care. If I'm coaching a fighter, 
I don't care if I'm like, nah, actually, I don't give a shit if you get knocked out or win or lose. Don't coach your guy. <laughs> you, you know? So a coach needs to care. And the coach needs to be able to bring the guy to a place of success. Able has a couple of ways. Number one, the guy must be willing to listen to the coach. So a coaching relationship is a uh, magical relationship. The longer you, you, you do it, it's very different than what all these uh, marketing uh, products sell. The simple truth is, just because you have a person come in doesn't mean that you're the right for them and they're right for you. It is actually a magical process, right? They must be open to you and you must be open to, to them. Does that always happen to a funnel? No, right? You, you talk to a person, you don't like you, you don't like them. <laughs> don't think yeah. they must don't work together, right? I mean, it's going to work out badly. So it must be open to you. And second, you must be able. You must be able. Some people, they have needs that you are un, unable to help. Then just don't, don't do it. So if you find someone who's open, someone you like, someone you care about, someone who's, who you're able to help, that's going to be a start of a magical relationship. Magical relationship. And sometimes there is, you watch football, right? The, the best coach are not always the ones with the greatest qualification. There's something mag magical. The club matches the manager. The manager matches the club. For some reasons, the players listen to the manager. The manager cares about the players and it's magical. And then you get another person to come in and he has all the qualifications and it fucking sucks. <laughs> right? That's what nobody wants to say about this, about this entire business. It is a human business. We can try to systemize the marketing as a human business. And I think the football manager example brings it across. I have no idea why. It is called chemistry. There is some reason, you know, for some reason, you know, these two people are meant to be together. And so, so, so be it. If uh, otherwise we can force chemistry and you have seen it, Darius, am I right? You see a club try to hire a manager that's all the qualification, they have no chemistry. Then what happens there is when there's no I, <laughs> Lose the dressing room and everything. Yeah, nothing happens. That's what happens. Nothing happens. And it doesn't work out. So. Okay, awesome, man. Just want to ask like one of my last few questions, right? I think we talk about this, in, or you talk a lot about this in the mastermind. You know, just be very authentic. Just be very raw. Always be yourself, right? Like what you say, just, like literally you just said, when you qualify people, don't even make it too complicated. It's either whether you like the person, you're invested, you're interested in that person. If you're not, then screw off, right? <laughs> so how do you actually maintain, or not just maintain, like in the, front, in the face of like, you know, people will always say like, oh, maybe Mel, you're too harsh. Or Mel, you're too blunt. Or Mel, why you school so many vulgarities and things like that, right? And how do you, like, in a way, not really, not, not, not about, oh, I don't let the opinions affect me, but more of, like, stand your ground and be like, yeah, that, that's who I am. Like, what keeps you continue to go uh, in the direction of, you know, this who I am, and then I'll just continue on. Because most people, after a while, if they constantly get the same thing again, like, maybe one, two, three times, they're going to be affected. But if they constantly get the same thing again and again, they'll probably start going, like, okay, maybe there's something wrong. Maybe these people are, like, well, maybe I should listen a little bit about uh, to, to what these people have said. And what, what basically gets you to continue stand your ground again and again? Okay. It's very simple. Darius, what's your favorite genre of music? Uh, I, I guess I guess it would be uh, pop, I guess. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. Oh, you like pop, yeah? Yeah. So now, previously, right now in Singapore, some fucking person hates pop. You think pop fucking sucks? Yeah. But who is correct, Davis? Uh, no, no one is <laughs> correct. No one's correct. Exactly. <laughs> right? Now, the second thing is, are you going to change your opinion because that guy hates pop? Nope. Nope. Then why, why do you like pop? Because I just liked it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What does the guy hate pop? I don't know. You guys rap, <laughs> you, you know? So what, what do you realize? Let's say both of you are, they argue, right? You're like, hey man, pop rocks. And he's like, man, pop sucks. And both of you argue. 15 minutes later, will there be a resolution? 
Perhaps not. Nope. You will just end up and say, all right, cool. Then fuck, I'm going to listen to my pop. And you listen to your rap. Let's, let's, let's agree to disagree. And that, there is, is the key. I have discovered that everything that someone dislikes about me, another person really, really likes. It's the most fu funny thing. <laughs> so, so after a while, you start to realize, wait a bit. All right. Now, there are some things that are really offensive that everyone can get behind or most people can get behind and say, man, that's way over the line, right? But in most cases, when you're being your most authentic self and you're just expressing yourself with a genuine desire to serve, no matter what, do you see it? There is, some people can be politically co correct and you still don't like them. They're politically correct. That's the fucking funniest thing, right? They're like, they don't say a single F word, you know, everything is nice. And you're like, man, this guy fake. It's like, what the fuck? This guy is the leader, straight laced person. And you're like, I don't like you because you're straight laced. And you're like, wow, geez. <laughs> What, what does it tell us? It tells us it cannot make everybody happy. <laughs> you, you know, uh, so it is what it is. So if a person really dislikes you, you should send them on, on their way. So simple as that, just say, I really appreciate it. Perhaps you want to check out some other person, but it's as simple as that. It, it, it's not about you, it's about them, right? So when the guy hates pop, it's not about pop, he just doesn't like it. So you should go and listen to rap. So when, when someone disagrees, just send them off, just say, all right, cool, hey, I appreciate you dislike this. Uh, perhaps you should try something else. It's simple as that. So this is who, who I am. The funny thing is, I, I have no idea. So I started to realize, okay, cool. Maybe my goal in life is not to please everybody. It's just to attract the people that resonate with my message. And everyone who, who doesn't, I can politely thank them and encourage them to find someone else. <laughs> so you did, if you dislike me, I will encourage you to uh, to block me, to not friend me, and just just move on, find, find, find someone else. Right, and then if you like me, then let's go deeper. It's, it's, it is pretty simple. We, we cannot persuade everybody like us. It's, uh, it's really hard. Remember, Jesus failed to do that. And the guy at Penny was <laughs> Oh, really? I mean, some really dislike him. How, how do you know? They nailed him to a cross. Eh? That is when you really dislike a person. Think about it. <laughs> and why? What, what did you do wrong? Some just don't like you. I have no idea. So this right this. Okay, awesome, man. Okay, just one last question. Actually, before I ask last question, I just wanted to ask this question. Where can people find out more about you and learn more from you? Okay, cool. Uh, well, first of all, uh, you should only uh, find out more about me uh, if you are a speaker, a trainer, coach, or consultant, or you're a marketer, or you're a professional salesperson. I'm not to say if you're not in any of these that you will not like, like me, it's actually you might resonate with the things I share. But uh, the business of what I do is due, uh, specifically to these three categories of people. The reason is because that's the only thing that I've done for the last 14 years, help marketers, speakers, trainers, and salespeople to the tune of above 20 million sing dollars. So if you're in that category and you wish to be very successful, like really the top of your industry, uh, and you also wish to uh, add a lot of value to the marketplace, then uh, you can check us out. Okay, uh, the, the words you want to type into Google to find a whole bunch of things are X Factor Method. That's it. X Factor Method, right? Uh, you want to check check me out. I'm quite sure Darius will link to my Instagram, my Facebook. Uh, you can check it out. Just type Melvin so inside. And then you can go and find the guy that looks most like me. And my Instagram is at the great Melvin so. So, but the one thing that's most important is X Factor Method. You can check out our website. Just gonna figure out. But on, only do so if you're in those three categories. If you're not, you still can follow me on Instagram. I'm quite sure you'll be entertained. But, uh, but the nature of my business, uh, I only want to serve people in those three categories for the simple reason that it's the only thing that I know how to do exceptionally well. Okay, So sometimes we'll come, come to us there and they are in F&B or they are in like a laundry business or jewelry business. And I tell them, the only thing I know about F&B is I know how to eat. <laughs> I've never done it before and if I've never done it before, I usually don't want to give advice in that category. So. 
Awesome, man. Actually, I got two last questions. But I think for those that are kind of listening to this and realizing like, what crap, there's a lot of things that I kind of learned in terms of developing that mindset, what attitude I want to bring about in my business, how can I sustain in the long run, especially in terms of sustainers. I think we talk a lot about sustainers and a little bit about leading as well. Mm. But I think what, what, what would you say to people right, on how can they actually find what is influential about themselves and what's that point that they can actually impact uh, impact others. Now, I know you can't do like one-on-one with everyone because yeah. everyone's just listening in. How can people be self-aware and like, you know, like what you say, analyze yourself and understand yourself deeper so that you know what is something influential and that's the point that it can use to impact more people? Super simple. Number one, what are you interested in reading and learning without motivation? So if you read and learn something, there's something without motivation, you're interested in becoming really proficient at it. If your boss asks you to do it, it doesn't count. So let's say you want to get good at something. What would be the one thing you want to read and learn without motivation, which means you do it for yourself. Number two, what do you find yourself eventually always talking about, right? So let's say, you know, you love talking about this particular thing. It's something that really interests you. If you like talking about something, it's because you have an interest and a desire, passion for it. And, you know, if you grow that, you'll become a leader in it. Number three, what do people mostly come to you for help for? At the end of the day, right? Uh, I think in some way, finding our X factor can sometimes be challenging for ourselves. Because we are biased, right? Our story of who we are is very different than our girlfriend, our boyfriend, our spouse, our even our parents. Uh, here, here's the thing, right? The reason is because we have never experienced ourselves before. Think about it, Darius. You do a accelerator class. You know who has not attended Darius's accelerator class before? Darius. Because <laughs> <laughs> Darius is conducting the class. Darius cannot see what Darius is like. Darius can, can feel his own experience while doing the class. He can look at people's response. He can listen to what people say, but Darius can never see. Now, now, is it easy to, let's say, for example, look at your co-founder, Caden, and find out what he's good at? Of course, it's really easy. It's obvious. <laughs> right, you can see. Now, Caden cannot see it because Caden is Caden. You know, so that's the thing. Uh, so sometimes we have no idea, right? But if we can notice these things, right? Sometimes we can see the X factor in, in us. And they come to us and say, oh my God, Davis, can you help, help me with this? If they keep finding you in one area, that means they can see some shit in this area, then you probably should think, hmm, why do you keep coming to, to me in this? That might be your expected. So it's very simple. What, what, what do you want to read and learn without motivation? Uh, what do you find yourself talking about? And what do people come and find you about? And uh, that will give you the answer you see. Awesome, man. I think the last question that I really have is that, because we talk about influence, next question, the last one is impact, right? Mm. How do you think that others can actually deeply impact others that they want to help with and in, i'm not talking about just like oh touch the life i mean like deeply impact and actually change someone's life what would you say is like the most important thing other than being interested invested in that person like what we say previously the way to impact a person is to help them realize a few things number one if you want to Im- Im- impact a person what does it mean to make to make an impact it means to enhance their quality of life in a way they have never experienced before Right? That means it's an impact. If I keep you, if there is you, you talk to me and you say exactly the same, what the fuck is that impact? There's no impact. It's the same. I mean, if you talk, talk to me and you get worse, I mean, there's an impact. <laughs> Your life is worse. So I'm, I hope you're talking about positive impact here, right? So an impact means what? It means a person's life is enhanced as a result of you. So the first key, if you want to impact a person, number one is to understand their goals and mission. Where do they want, they want to go? And number two is to help them bridge where they are to where they want to be. It's as simple as that. That's when you make an impact. It's very simple. Uh, I cannot make an impact on you unless I know your goals. If I know where Darius want, wants to go, then I can understand, oh, cool, man. Maybe Darius wants to be a millionaire. And then I need to figure out how I can bridge Darius from where he is now to being a millionaire. So maybe Darius has challenges, resistance, problems, fears. 
And if I can help Darius overcome all of these things and arm him with the skill set, and he becomes a millionaire, he will remember me. I have made an impact on his life. So if you look at all great mentors, they allow they subconsciously or consciously do these two things. They realize your goals and they help you get there. This is as simple as that. Which then means you must be interested at the end of the day if you want to be a coach and mentor. And it's kind of funny. I think majority of people in the coaching scene should not be in the coaching scene <laughs> because they like to talk <laughs> and they don't give a fuck about people. And that's the thing, right? Because they think this is an entertainment industry. The funny thing is the coaching scene is the caring scene. I think it's kind of funny, right? Because I don't, uh, immediately, uh, most people don't think, <laughs> I strike people as a very caring person, right? And uh, I'm not forcing you you, you answer Darius right now. But I like to think in X Factor, the honest truth is uh, I do really genuinely care a lot. You know, and this is why I do what I do, especially when I don't really have to do it. Because I genuinely care. And I'm like, man, I really want you to succeed. Like, I feel happy when you tell me that you are making good money. It's not going to me, it's going to you. I feel happy. I feel happy because I remember when you first came in and now, and I'm like, yeah, man, he's, he's making progress. I'm happy for you. And I want you to you know, take it to the next level and the next level and the next level. And it's for your sake, not so much for, for, for mine. I mean, you pay us once and that's it, right? But I want you to succeed. And it feels good making an impact because I know you have a goal. And it feels good to help you reach there. And your success is in some way thanks to me. And I celebrate that with you. So if you want to make an impact in a person, you've got to care. And that will mean knowing their goals and knowing how to help them reach it. Awesome, man. I think that really sums up the whole of this episode. I think a lot of y'all are probably taking out a lot of notes, a lot of action items as well. And once again, I want to thank uh, my mentor, Mel Vinso, for really just hopping up this call and really just joining us on this podcast as we restart this whole podcast again. I hope this has provided you a lot of value. You know, honestly, there are a lot more questions that I have on this note here. It's just that we have time to go through because Mel is always continuously going I, on. Look, man, I think, look, how about you pick up the top two? Talk two more and see if we can burn through two more and see. So let's see. This is right here. David says he has questions. I want to add some value. I know I have to go, but if you can burn two more and if you can over deliver for, for, for the people here, let's see. Uh, other two or any questions you have also, just, just, just anything. Awesome, man. Actually, the one question that I really wanted to ask, right? Yeah, so one of, the, one of the burning questions I have, right, was when, you know, you, you started that whole journey and then you keep going again and again and again, right? If you were to really, like, go back in time, right? Not the question of, oh, go back in time, what will you change and things like that? Not really yeah. that. But if you will go back in time, right, what would you have, like, taken more note of? Right? What would you have noticed more often? What would you have learned more about rather than what would you change? What would you have learned more about during that whole journey itself? I would have learned more, uh, more about the fact of being uh, more aware that at the end of the day, we all have a purpose and that's beyond money. And that would be very important. Because money and the pursuit of it can blind us from what we are supposed to do. Now, I believe the universe has designs for us beyond making money. Purely making money. Unfortunately, most people are blind to it because all they give a shit about is making money. And so sometimes the universe sends you clues. They send you people, they send you things. But if you blind and you deaf, you don't receive any of these. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, right? So it's like, think about it this way. You're headed down the wrong path, but you keep thinking it's the right path. I send you a whole bunch of people and they keep coming to you and say, there is, I don't know if this is right, man. Turn around. And I say, then another gal comes to you and say, there is, hey, hey, hey I, I don't think it's right. They turn around. But guess what? You don't listen to any of them. Because you are so fixated on walking down this path. 
And then you keep walking and suddenly you realize, oh shit, <laughs> it's the wrong path. And you start to think back, wait a minute. There's so many times when that popped up. I didn't listen. Why? <laughs> Why did I listen? You know, because uh, because you were too fixated with a certain theory. Right? And it's hard to uh, and and it is what it is because that's how society programs us. Programs us to uh, to identify that the benchmark of success is having a bunch of money. Until you meet people who have a bunch of money and don't feel very happy. <laughs> and then uh, because the richer you get, then the more you meet some of these people. They have made money and they're not happy and not proud. They're upset. And you start to realize, wait, wait a minute, this game is all fucked up. I thought this was the dream plan. You see, the whole game is rigged because you you dreamt, right? You dreamt that this was the promised land, which is why you climbed the mountain. And then you know what the funny thing is? You reach the top of the mountain and you're like, oh man, this sucks. And, and then everything crashes down. You're like, what the fuck? I thought this was supposed to be the fucking paradise. And you're like, oh shit, I think I've been playing the wrong game. And then they begs the question, what the fuck is the right game? And which is why I'm trying to awaken everybody to the right game is the fact that you have a reason for existing beyond just making money. If you find that, you will do very well, you'll fulfill your purpose, and you also, as a byproduct, make a whole ton of money. And so that was one thing I never realized, right? I just thought, ah, fuck it, just make money, it's fine. <laughs> That's why a lot of ideas when you're in your early 20s are pretty dumb. <laughs> Yeah, because like uh, I I resonated a lot to that because like when we hit our record breaking sales month and then we go on and on again, then I started to ask like, okay, so what's next? <laughs> I genuinely had the question of like, okay, yeah. so so what's next? Like, okay, like I, I not not say I had a lot a lot of cash, but like I had some cash, and then I go okay, so what's next? Right, and I ask myself, is it contribution? Is it really finding my purpose? Clarifying what I want to do? Right, and I start asking myself like, okay, so what's really next for me? Because I think the one that really resonated most is like, we always dream for the promised land, but then what if the promised land is now? And then that was when I talked to my shit, the promised land is now, so what's next? <laughs> next? Well, well, like, what, what powers me? Why am I doing this? Right? Okay, I, I dream of this money, now it's in my bank account. Oh shit, not, nothing has changed. Kind of like, life is the same. Cool, I can buy a few. Oh. And, and the worst thing is, you now know you can buy a few things, but you don't. And the only thing that changes is nothing except a few digits in your bank account. And then after a while, you're just like, why am I even doing this in the first place? Right? And then and then the promised land is, is not the promised land. It's kind of funny, right? Right? And, and, and you start to go, and actually that's a depressing feeling. Because you always thought that this was <laughs> it is. <laughs> and a hundred thousand and you're like, man, I'm not that happy. What the fuck? Like, like shit. And then, and then that's actually a more depressing feeling because you're like, have I been playing the wrong game? Like, I get there's something wrong? Like, what the hell is wrong? And then, and then that's it. That's why uh, finding a purpose, aligning with it, having a mission. You know, a lot of people are like, ah, I don't have time for that kind of shit. Okay, cool. Then just go make your money. Hit <laughs> it. You will start to feel really, really empty. And guess what they feel in their lives when they feel empty? Things. Remember the space thing? Yeah. Start to buy things. But then the funny thing is, after they buy it, they don't feel very happy either. <laughs> and now the whole game is rigged because they're like, oh shit. Oh man, like, I made this money, I bought all this stuff, and then I'm not happy. And then you're like, fuck, what's the, what's the level now? Make more money? <laughs> things. You feel lost. And usually in that pursuit, we usually hear that people, uh, you know, they, they start to sell everything and they start to go on a journey with it, right? Because all of this is superficial and they, they feel happy. It's sad, right? To make money and then not feel happy. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is. I, as in, I was at the point of not making, not say make money and not feel happy, 
but it's more of like, because I always thought, you know, because uh, I think you also thought a lot about it, it's about mastery, it's about enjoying that whole process and everything. Because enjoying the process again and again and again. And then like, until I hit that goal and then I ask myself, okay, what's next? I know I want to help people, but then there's that feeling inside me that goes and say like, okay, so, so what's next? I know I want to help people, but what's next in helping people? And that's asking myself. So I, I think the answer that, that you seek is not so much in the idea of helping people, right? It is like, you know, what do you want to get good at? And who, who do you want to serve? And what is your vision for the world? That's, that's it, right? So if you can zero in specifically on the people you want to serve, kind of impact you want to make, the things you enjoy doing, then that, that's going to bring you closer to your purpose. You, you see, we spend a lot of time systemizing things and you know uh, not doing things, right? We find a lot of ways to, to hack the process. <laughs> what if doing the things you, you do gives you joy? You think about it, right? So there's a way I, I can print out a painting. Do I have to paint? What if the artist likes painting? That's what he wants to do. Then let, let him do it. Do, do, do you kind of follow what yep. I mean? Like, so you, you, you need to ask yourself, like, what, what do you want to do at the end of the day? Like, coaching people. Uh, this it is, I, I, I scoff. Internet marketing makes it seem like, you know, all these uh, advertisements make it seem like it's, uh, it's very easy. Uh, <laughs> it's much more, right? These fucking football managers all have grey hair after a while. Yep. Because <laughs> coaching is anything but easy. The next time I see another fucking ad that tells you how effortless coaching is, it just, just, it is, see, it doesn't even get, get me mad. I know it's a lie. If you have ever taught a young person how to do something, you realize it's anything but easy. Right? So it's like, it's not easy. But it's something I enjoy, some, something I like to do, something that aligns with the vision I have in mind. And, you know, and I choose the people I work well with. And then that just make, makes me happy. I feel like that's what I'm meant to do. And so I just keep on doing it. I think much about money. No. I mean, I track how much I make, but I don't like, you know, oh yeah, you know. But a financial goal, you have a next, next financial goal, it's good. Things yeah. are growing, it's fantastic. But it needs to be on, on point and on purpose. You cannot come at the expense of that. Because the uh, moment comes at the expense of that, then you know something needs to give and something needs to suffer. So you've got to go back to those few questions, right? What's your vision of the world? What do you like doing? Who do you like serving? As long as you stick right on that, then you'll be fulfilling your purpose. Yeah, I think I'm getting clearer, clearer as as like time goes by. I just keep doing again and again and again. I feel like every time we just keep doing again and again and again, and then we get closer, like what you say, to and doing what you enjoy. Then the yeah. more you realize like what really makes you fulfilled, the more you lean into it. Because I was at that point, I was like, okay, am I going the right di- direction? Because I think sometimes we doubt ourselves. We go, okay, am I doing the right direction? Although we might be on the right direction, but we still ask ourselves, okay, is this? And I think that's why I resonate also when you say like, you know, uh, people or maybe young people go like, oh, you know, this works. Let's go and let's let's see what, what else works. And then yeah. I think I was at that point, like I think two months ago, I was thinking, okay, so this works, what was next? <laughs> and yeah. then I was thinking, yeah. oh, wait. <laughs> I have now, see, there, there is this a classic example, right? A long time ago, people went to uh, places to dig for gold. And majority of gold mines or places they dig for gold didn't have gold, right? And so it takes you maybe 100 tries of digging gold, finally to find a place that's gold. Now, usually when you scrape, scrape the surface, scrape the surface of the place that's gold and you find gold, what does it mean? It means there might be a lot of gold here. And so what should you do? You should drop everything else and dig the fucking place up. 
And so what will you say to the young person that comes and digs gold and then he goes, all right, yeah, I found the pieces. Cool, let's find the next place. What would you say to this person? There is Continue digging. <laughs> say, what the fuck are you doing? You have so far for a gold mine and you have it now. What the fuck are you doing? So that's exactly how I feel, right? It takes so hard to find something that works. Think about it, there is in e-commerce. How hard is it to find a winning product? It's really hard, right? You can go up there and sell a whole bunch of things. And finally you land on one product for whatever, like it can be dumb as heck, right? The fucking Merlion, fucking maple wheat. And now everybody wants to buy this. You know what you should do? You should scale this fucking thing to the moon. <laughs> it's so hard. You found a gold mine out. You dig the fucking thing up. Guess what most dumb people do? <laughs> like, All right, cool, let's go find and let's go sell something else. You're like, what the fuck are you doing? Unfortunately, that's how people are. Very that, that, oh, that's a really good one. That's, that's a really, really good one. The whole analogy of that goal, of digging yes. that goal and then looking for the next gold mine instead of just continue digging. It's the same thing for diamonds, right? Diamond mines and gold mines. It's very hard to find a, a, a one that works. And then usually when, or, or even an oil place, right? When people are drilling for oil. Right, they go places to drill, fucking nothing, nothing. And all of a sudden they hit, oh my God, it's oil. Like, yeah, we pack up. We'll, let's move, move to a new place more. You're like, huh? Right, you need one place and you'll be a billionaire. Does it make sense? Right, think about it. You just could research stuff about gold, diamonds, and oil. You need one good oil well and then we'll fucking produce oil for the next 80 years. And then we'll make you a billionaire. But no, no, we'll just fill two barrels of oil and we move on. What? You can see how stupid that is, right? Unfortunately, it happens every day. Every day. Just, I don't want to say. So I, I've learned a few things. I find things that work and I go fucking all the way in. Right? Our mastermind here has made $8 million in counting. Uh, it's made $8 million because I've stuck, stuck with it for the last, uh, how about, three years intensively. Right? We started doing this project somewhere in actually April 2018. So it's uh, we're closing on about three years. And I, my whole goal is turn this to 10, 15 and more. Right, uh, so so it can be done. <laughs> so as simple as that, you know. Uh, just find something that works. And so you have something that works now, and so you should never give up. I mean, Lord forbid you decide to be an insurance agent. I would say, what an idiot! <laughs> you know, so that's that. But you see that all the time, right? You see that yeah, all. Really love the metaphor. Really, really love the metaphor. Oh, you see that in young people all the time. Yeah. Am I correct? Yeah. They find something that works, and they're like, "All right, let's move on." <laughs> you are like. What are you doing? It's just stop. Yeah, I think a lot of time is also like we see in us, we, we, we can see in others, but we also can't see in ourselves also sometimes. That's why I think coaches are extremely, extremely important as well. So thanks for answering like my, my, my last two questions awesome. as well. And awesome. so uh, for those who want to know more about him, want to find out more about the class and everything that he does, I'll drop out the links below. You can just find the X Factor method as well. You'll find him on the website as well. So with that, uh, till the next episode, stay legendary. Alright, if you have enjoyed this episode, do make sure to leave a review on your biggest takeaway. If you're looking for a proven system to attract high-paying clients without spending a cent on ads, just head over to strategicattraction.com where you can get access to trainings and further resources. I look forward to seeing you there.